0: Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life. How many of you in the new year are are like three weeks in now and you're saying, uh, I have already kind of gotten off the New Year's wagon and the and the, uh, the goals, the dreams, uh, the, everything I set aside, I've, I've lost a few of those already. Raise your hand. Come on. So basically, if you're not raising your hand, you are killing it in 2015, right? You were like off to a great start. Good for you. We are so glad you're here, liars and everybody else. So thank you. That's awesome. It is so good to have you here. I have discovered in 2015, I started my year out, and here was my thing for the year. I wanted to live a life of simplicity. As that, I'm all about it, right? So yesterday, I did an 11.30 funeral here in Buford, flew to Orlando, and spoke to several hundred kids at 8.30 last night. Because I couldn't get a flight to get back to be with you this morning, I rented a car. They must have thought I put Hector's name in the driver's thing because they gave me a minivan, and I drove a minivan from Orlando to the Atlanta airport turned my rental car in at 3 o'clock this morning, rode the little train over, got in my car, got in bed at 4. And the first thing I thought of when I'm ahead, hit the pillow at about 4.05 this morning was, there is nothing simple about this. I missed the mark. And part of the challenge in how we don't always hit the mark is we, we wrestle with this paradoxical teaching that is kind of saturated through the New Testament. We're in a series called This and That, and and we've talked about, you know, being first, and we've talked about being last. Today, the concept is about freedom and slavery. Let me from the outset say to all of us, we are all in the same boat in this room today. We are all slaves to something. Okay, let's just kind of set that aside. Now, some of us are a little more brash than others. I mean, you woke up this morning, you looked in the mirror, and you started singing How Great Thou Art, right? I mean, I get it. You know, I mean, some of you got in the morning and looked in the bathroom this morning, looked in the mirror and said, that is not good, right? Some of you clearly didn't look in the mirror this morning. And so, we got all kind of folks here, but the fact is, we are all at one stage of life at the same time here right now, we are slaves to something. Something is our master. I, I was a slave to Diet Coke until October 11 of 2014, and I gave up Diet Coke. Now, listen to this. This is ridiculous, right? I gave up Diet Coke and lost 48 pounds. All right? now, does that compute with you or not, right? Because think about it. When is the last time you saw a skinny person drinking a Diet Coke, right? But let me tell you something. When I quit Diet Coke cold turkey, I was like a crack baby for two weeks. I mean, seriously. I was, Jenny would tell you I wasn't fit for man nor beast. I mean, because I would have like a Diet Coke for breakfast, I'd have a couple before lunch, I'd have one or two or five with lunch, and I mean, it was like a fix for me. And for me to get off of Diet Coke, seriously, for about two weeks, I mean, I, I think I have an appreciation for what happens to whatever you're a slave to, because we're all a slave to something. Paul in the New Testament gives us a a perspective here. I I want you to look with me, if you would, because this is uh, an unbelievably rich topic, this concept that we are slaves to something. In the book of Galatians chapter 5, Paul is addressing this church, and he's talking about this inner longing that we have for freedom and yet a human nature we have for slavery. See, if ever there's been a paradox, that's it. I mean, we have a longing for freedom, but we have a human nature built for slavery. And and here's what Galatians 5.1 says, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm. And then there's that word again, therefore. Right? So you stop and say, what's that therefore, therefore? It's there for what Paul's about to say. He says, and do not submit again, to the yoke of slavery. Now, that word yoke, where we get to see that, what do we think of? We think about oxen, and we think about their head being in that yoke and being locked down to it. And that would be an accurate picture. But in the New Testament, in the Greek, it carries a little deeper context in which it says, don't allow what the world teaches you of sin to ensnare you in the same way that that physical yoke would. Are you with me? I mean, what what Paul is saying here is that the concept is we have an inner longing for freedom, but our human nature drives us to slavery. Now, here in the U.S., what we tend to do is we say the word slavery, and we think of plantations. But I want you to understand, and I really want you to grasp this concept, when we teach something straight out of Scripture, we have to always understand the context of what was written unless we fall short of why it was applicable today. If you understand the context which was written then, you can understand the context in which we're to receive it today. And Paul's writing to people who own slaves or are slaves, literally, not figuratively. And when he talks about being a slave, he gets it like in the New Testament where it talks about where we call on the name of the Lord, I mean, literally in that vernacular, in that context, in the truest sense of the word, it would be that you'd call on the name of your owner, your new boss, the one that you've submitted to willingly. We're all slaves to something. And I want you to see that Martin Luther once said this, this is a great quote, a Christian is a perfectly free Lord of all, subject to none. And at the same time, a Christian is a perfectly dutiful servant of all, subject to all. I mean, when you look at that, the paradox, I mean, you see, perfectly free and yet perfectly enslaved. Perfectly capable of doing whatever you want to do, however you want to do it, whenever you want to do it, but you're, you're going to be owned by whatever that is. What we tend to find, and, and sociologists prove this kind of month after month with different, different studies that come out of different universities, and that is this, that if we are a slave to something, it will not only eventually own us, it will steal everything else from us. Because, you see, slavery has no end. It it is literally sucking the life from us, whatever we are a slave to. Paul is clear about his position. He's talking to people, and this argument that he's trying to solve for the church is this, and that is, okay, He's talking to a church that's filled with Jewish people, and the argument is if somebody who's not a Jew, referred to as a Gentile, if that person comes to be a Christ follower, if that person chooses to follow Jesus, do they have to follow all our rules now? Or is Jesus enough? This is the argument. The argument is, okay, we started with 10 commandments, And and God gives these 10 commandments, and and as he brings those 10 commandments through Moses to the people of Israel, if you recall, those commandments are designed in such a way that are to bring them out of freedom and to become slaves to him that we might do good and he might do that through us. Are you with me? And so we've started with 10, and then humankind decided let's add another at least 601 to those to get to 611 rules. And so, the argument here is, hey, if a dude who's not already a part of our church and keeping all the rules, if he says, I want Jesus to come sit on the throne of my life, I want him to own me, does he have to follow all the rules or not? That's a pretty good question, isn't it? I mean, is is that what this is all about? And Paul says, wait a minute, freedom in Christ turns out, and when we think of freedom, we think of blank slate. This is not what he's talking about. He's not talking about a freedom that says you can do anything you want, any way you want, anytime you want. He's saying you can have a freedom that allows something greater to occur in you and through you and for you. So I go back to the question, how are you doing in 2015? And my guess is if you're like the average American that I read about this week, most if not all of your resolutions or goals for the year have already failed miserably. Because, you see, most of us are slaves to the wrong thing for the wrong reason. And Paul makes this point. He says, listen, the way Paul sees it, the way he unpacks it is this. You can live by the Spirit under God, or you can live by the flesh as you wish, but you pick. In other words, what he's saying is this. This is kind of like an election. You, you can pick two kinds of freedom. And every day, by the way, you, do, you pick this freedom. You, you pick this freedom day in and day out. And by the way, th- there are subtasks and sub-freedoms that go on and on and on forever. I mean, you, you choose at the highest level of choice and freedom is this, these two things. I choose, I, I'm willing to live in the flesh because I want what's mine and I want to get mine or I'm going to live and I'm going to allow the Spirit of God to to lead me and direct them and find that freedom. Now, what happens in our mind is this. I don't want to give up anything. I don't want to surrender anything. It's going to cost me something. I want to manage my own fate. I want to be the captain of my own fate. And when you look at that, you think, well, yeah, of course, bam, I'm killing it. Let's get this done, right? And then Paul comes along behind it and says, but wait a minute, if that's what owns you, you're growing further from God every day. And the further we grow from God every day, the further we are from success. He says you get to pick. Paul isn't saying that, hey, listen, um, you, you get to have freedom with your body. You get to have freedom with, with, with the, the spirit. He's, what he's saying is, wait a minute, this is a package deal. You cannot split your allegiance. It's not like you can say, hey, dude, Monday through Friday, I'm going to live for me. Saturday, Sunday, I'm going to turn my heart around, and I'm going to let God own me. I mean, what Paul is saying is, man, this you, you need to get on board here and make your vote. You need to push the button. I mean, this section of Paul's letter to the Galatians ends with a call to live by and be guided by the Spirit. He's saying, listen, don't miss out on this. Don't miss what's about to happen. Don't miss what could happen. But then Paul shifts gears, and over in the book of Romans, chapter 6, he starts unpacking on this whole freedom thing again. Back in the 70s, I mean, Morgan, you'll appreciate this, Bob Dylan wrote a song, You Gotta Serve Somebody. How many remember Bob Dylan? You you remember that song? Yeah, you bunch of pot smokers. And so, I mean, I can see you all now, yeah. I yeah, love me some Dylan, dude. <laughs> you got to serve somebody, man. Yeah. That Cheech and Chong, man, I'm all about that. <sighs> Kids are like, who? <laughs> What's a Bob Dylan? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Cheech and what? Oh, that guy, that's the old dude on Dance with the Stars. Yeah. <sighs> I'm not going to say it. That's That's how people like me get fired. All right. But... <laughs> what Paul starts telling us in Romans chapter 6 is this. This is what's got to occur in our life, that we require a freedom from from slavery, that Jesus came and bought us and paid for us. Now watch this. here's, Here's what Paul's literally about to unpack for us in verses 15 through 23. He's about to say for you and I that I came and I bought you out of slavery, you were owned and you were on the trading block and Satan owned your heart. And inside your heart was all manner of wicked and evil to the degree that you didn't even know your own heart. And God came along and said, I will pay the ultimate price so I can own you my prize treasure. Come on, that is so cool. The God who spoke a million galaxies into existence said, I bought you so that you could be mine. But now watch this. He bought us so that we could sit at the table with him because, you see, this master wants you to share in his inheritance. He doesn't want you to work for him for nothing. He wants you to enjoy the inheritance straight from the presence and the goodness of God. If you look at this i mean what does he say in verse 15 what then shall we sin because we're not under law but under grace and then he gets all jacked up and says may it never be i mean paul returns to his original question in verse 1 he goes back he says, does grace encourage sin once again his response is may it never be what in the world are you thinking In the first 14 verses of chapter 6 in Romans, I mean, Jesus is is teaching, Jesus broke the bonds of sin that enslave us. And in Romans 6, 15 through 23, he warns us that if we're not careful, what will happen is we'll accept the fact that he died for us, that he shed his blood for us, that he gave us eternity, that he gave us heaven, and then we'll say, okay, good, I did that, check, and then I'm going to go live any stinking way I want to. And Paul's saying, when you surrender to that slavery, heartache and brokenness and hurt is what you voted for. And then what happens is you show up somewhere in a pastor's office and say, I can't believe what I did. And I promise you, we can trace it back to the point in your mind where you knew the Spirit of God said, don't do that. And you know what happened? We said, no, I'm not going to surrender to that master. I want to pick my own. And in that moment, man, our life starts crashing around us because some of these things have dire consequences. I mean, look at this. Look at verse 16. Paul says, every person is a slave. He says, do you not know that when you present yourself to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness? Pa- Paul has this kind of rhetorical question that says, do you not know? I mean, he assumes that we understand because it constitutes this refusal to serve God, we get the bad end of the deal. He's saying, man, God's made this clear. I said last week, I'll say it again, these teachings of Jesus are not difficult. Don't let anybody tell you that the teaching of the New Testament is difficult. It's not difficult. We just made it difficult. Jesus took this paradoxical teaching and he said this, if something's gonna own you no matter what, because that's how you're wired, choose God as your master. And when you choose to do that, then He gives you rich and righteous blessings. You choose to do your own thing, and you're going to reap misery, sorrow, and suffering. And you say, well, Chuck, it can't be that simple. According to the New Testament, it is. According to the Bible, it is. I mean, you could say, well, I'm, I'm going to argue with that till the day I die. Knock yourself out. But you're arguing with God, not with me. And you say, you look at this and say, wait a minute, Paul's saying, I got good news, I got bad news. The bad news is we're all slaves. I mean, he goes on, and says, none of us are really free, right? I mean, we are in slavery to whatever controls our lives. I mean, just think about it. I was controlled by Diet Coke. Some of us are controlled by sugar. Some of us are controlled by alcohol. Some of us are controlled by porn. Some of us are controlled by money. Some, I, I, we've got a neighbor who we invite to come to church every stinking week. And you know what I hear from, from this neighbor every week is? You don't understand. i got to get it while the market is good. i gotta, I got to get in that house. i got to get in that neighborhood. i got to keep going. And the question I had for her this week was this. When is enough enough? When, when do you find contentment? Because the guy who said you're a slave to somebody is the same guy who said, I have, become, I have learned to become content with little, and I've learned to become content with much. And this was a guy who had every reason to be a whiner, beaten, shipwrecked, scourged. I and mean, here's a guy that had been in prison. I mean, falsely. If anybody deserves to say, oh, it's Paul. And he said, I've learned to be content with little or with much, but then that same guy says, that's because I surrendered and I chose a new master. I pushed a new button. It was a new day. I'm all in. I mean, here's the big deal. You ready? Neutrality is impossible. You cannot go through this life and say, you know what? I'm going to be on the fence on this one. I'm Switzerland. I'm I'm not going to choose God versus the world. I'm not going to choose God over serving others. I'm not going to choose God God over His church. I'm not going to choose God over living a frugal life. I'm not going to choose God over being on the mission field. I'm not going to choose God over serving people that need food. I'm not going to choose—I mean, over and over again. You know what this teaching tells us? Is this unbelievable thing that at some point in time, something owns you and you pick it. You pick it. Because you see, God goes on in this passage and and gives us this thought that whatever owns us controls us. Whatever owns you controls you. Now, here's what I want you to do. Be a little interactive with me for a minute. I want you to close your eyes. I know some of you are a little freaked out right now. Just nobody's going to come by and slay you or anything. We're not going to anoint you with oil or anything. Just close your eyes. I want you to think and let God put a picture in your mind's eye of right now, because you're not going to have to say it out loud. But with God hearing every thought, right now, what owns you? What owns you? Keep your heads down. Keep your eyes closed. What owns you? Now, here's what I'm going to ask you to do to make it easy for you. Would you just keep your eyes closed and then bow your head a little bit, just kind of turn it down? If you'd be honest enough with me today to say, you know what, Chuck, over the course of this last week, there have been times that something other than the Spirit of God has controlled me. I want you to just look up at me. Yeah. Me too. Come and join the rest of us. All you hypocrites that kept your head down, come on, join the rest of us. Join the rest of us hypocrites. You know what Paul says to us? We chose that fate. We made that deliberate choice. We chose to let it control us. Listen, as hard as we try to break free, the chains of sin keep pulling us back. I mean, listen, what, what Scripture says here is obedience resulting in righteousness. I mean, wh- what God is saying is you choose me, allow me to be your master, your, your, your receipt is righteousness. I mean, I want you to know. It's looking verse seventeen and eighteen. But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. So at the moment that you choose Jesus, you became obedient to the heart to which you were committed. Now, I want you to notice this is a big deal. You right? ready? If you want to write something down, this is really, this is a good theological lesson right here. Paul doesn't say the form of teaching to which was committed to you. He says that form of teaching to which you were committed. You as an individual, you made that pick. It wasn't that mom and dad had you confirmed. It wasn't that you were sprinkled as a baby. It's not that you were born into a Christian family. I mean, being born, I mean, being able to say that is like, hey, I'm a Christian because I was born in a Christian family. I mean, you know, if, if I was born in a garage, I wouldn't be a carburetor, right? I mean, seriously, he's saying, wait a minute, this, this whole picture here is this committed. Now, watch this. The Greek word for committed, as it packs out here, literally means to hand over. So, when we choose to be committed to what Christ has taught us, what He has shown us, what He has done for us, what He did in dying for us and raising from the grave for us and giving us a home in heaven and giving us joy and contentment here on earth, all of that, it comes down to this one big stinking picture. True freedom is only found in Christ. Everything else is just a flitter. It's just a waste. It it doesn't go any further. I mean, if you're on your app and you're following the sermon notes on your app under resources, I mean, you'll see all these scripture references. You'll even have the slides on there. I mean, even the bulletin for today is on that app. You just follow through. So this afternoon, you want to follow back and say, man, I didn't take notes, but I needed to. We gave them to you. All right? I mean, all you lazy people who never write anything down because you're pretty sure you've got it, but you lose 88% of it before you get out the door and lose 92% of it before you get to the car and you lose 98% of it before you get home. We've solved that for you. We made it easier for you to take that and be committed to it paul gets all jacked up here and says true freedom is only found in christ look at verse 19 paul says i am speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh you know what he's saying slavery is intentional all right, did you get that i mean what what paul's saying is slavery is intentional he goes on he says for just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to what lawlessness resulting in further lawlessness so now present your members as slaves to righteousness resulting in sanctification paul contrasts this former way of life with the present before jesus he goes on and says you were slaves to impurity and to lawlessness and resulting in further lawlessness and that word lawlessness, literally, if you were to take it in today's vernacular, it would be chaos. You, you, sur- you choose to surrender to chaos. I don't know anybody that does well in chaos. And I know folks who say to me, you know, I work better when I'm really behind the curve and i got to get it done. No, you don't. You just think you've just rationalized that. You, 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 become, you become more active. You may, not be more, you may not be able to get a better job done, but you, you certainly are active. And part of it's what he's saying is because you became intentional about it. When you become intentional about something, then you start making a big deal about it. What Paul is saying here is that slavery is intentional. He contrasts that. Y'all remember the old Lay's uh, potato chip commercial? I mean, do you remember how that went? I bet you can't eat just one. You remember that? Isn't that true? I mean, have any of you ever sat down, opened a bag of Lay's original potato chip, eaten one potato chip, and said, man, I'm done? I mean, it it doesn't work that way, does it? Listen, if, like if, you're, if you're addicted to Bud Light, you, not, never has been a time that you pop the top on a cold Bud Light and said, I'm good. If you're here today and, listen, you're addicted to food, there is no way you sat down at Tanner's and said, when you ordered the country fried steak, you know, no gravy for me. Right? Like, if you're is sausage and biscuits, I mean, you know, you, know, you, you, didn't, you didn't go through, you know, the, the biscuit house over there and coming and say, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll just have a bowl of grits today. I'm good. No, man, you killed it. You went at that, right? You intentionally said, I'm all in. What what Paul is saying is, like those Lay's potato chips, present your members as slaves to righteousness resulting in sanctification. What he's saying is this. Watch this. When you choose sin over God, you never stop at one. It will always carry you further than you want to go, and it will always cost you more than you can pay. And he says, you pick who your master. My favorite movie of all time is Remember the Titans. You Remember that movie? Denzel plays Coach Boone, and, and he moves into a neighborhood, and they're in this first uh, integrated school, and uh, Coach Boone is an African-American coach, and he's, he's gone to a school that's previously all white, and they blend these teams, and it's, it's just a mess, man. And they're about to get the team on the buses to go to camp, and, and, and he's got some, so one like all-state, all-American player If you remember the story, Gary Bertier, and and Gary walks up to Coach Boone, he looks at him, and Gary's white, Coach Boone is black, and he looks at Coach Boone Boone, and he says, listen, we don't need any of your people on the defense, we're fine. He does not have his tie pulled up, he doesn't have his jacket on, he's acting like he's, you know, king of the world, I got this under control, boom, right? And Coach Boone looks at him and he says, Gary, son, do you want to play football for me? Yeah. He said, I want you to answer this question. Gary, where's your folks? he points over his mom over in the crowd and he says look back at me gary he says gary let me ask you another question who is your daddy and he hangs his head and he says gary son i'm gonna ask you one more time who is your daddy and gary Purtier finally looks up and he says you are and the coach says son put your jacket on Get on a bus. Listen to me, this morning that same God that was there waiting on you asks you fresh and new to receive His mercies and His grace for that day, but He asks you, who's your daddy? Did you choose the creator that spoke you into existence to be your boss? You see, true freedom is slavery in Christ. Back to verse 19, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. You see the implication? I, Chuck, I, I, I sin, but I can stop anytime I want. Chuck, I, I, listen, I, I'm just living, I'm living the life of a hellion right now just for a season, but I, I'll come back. You know, you know how many couples wind up in my office who, who a guy or a lady thought, you know, just this one night, it'll be okay? And their life was destroyed because he just made one time they said, I'm going to let God be my master. Paul says we're to present ourselves as slaves to righteousness resulting in sanctification. It's a big word. You know what it really says? That becoming what God wants us to be under his control is osmosis. We are slowly and steadily changed, become more like him. But when we choose the world to be our master, when we choose sin to be our master, guess what else happens? We more rapidly become like the world. And he says, you pick. But Paul finishes this thought in chapter six and verse 23. Listen to what he says. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, watch this. If you're here and you've been a Christ follower, you've been a Christian for years, you're saying, man, that's great. That's right. I remember hearing that and I gave my life to Christ and I surrendered to Him. But listen, you are not off the hook because Paul is also speaking to you. Paul is not just speaking to unbelievers in this passage. Paul is saying to you, the wages of your sin is death. You say, Chuck, what, what do I do? I'm not a believer. Watch this. It's this simple. I would never want you to leave this room today without having this option. You say, I don't don't know about this whole Jesus thing, I don't know, but I will tell you what, I want the righteousness, I want the goodness, I want the wholesomeness, I want the health, I want the happiness, I want the contentment, I want the joy that comes with choosing God to be my master. Then it's this simple. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, come live in my life and forgive me my sin. You say, well, Chuck, listen, I've been a Christian. Listen, I come to the 930, Chuck. I mean, really, I mean, I come to 930. 30, mean, everybody at 930 knows Jesus, right? But the fact is, I bet you if we had a GoPro camera following you all week long, we'd question some of that, wouldn't we? And some of us need to say the wages of our sin are still killing us, killing us softly. I, I love this one thing about God. I, I am so unbelievably blessed by this one thing. Listen to what James 1:17 says. He, God, He wants to bless you and give you every perfect and good gift. Listen me, do me a favor, put everything down, just look right here for just a second. I, I'll finish. God always has His glory and our best on His heart. He wants you to have His best. I got a note from my daughter about 11.30 last night when I was driving home. and It just said, Daddy, I love you so much. I was driving from home from Atlanta Airport. It's about 3.45 this morning. I got another text from her. She said, Daddy, I woke up. I was praying for you. Are you home yet? I love you so much. This morning, I want you to hear me. I'm so grateful for her love, but her love is a pinprick on a beetle compared to the overwhelming love that God wants you to have. He wants your best. And you choose. And today, I urge you in joining me in this prayer, God. I love you so much. I choose you to be my master. I choose slavery to righteousness leading to change more like you father we love you we praise you we thank you that through your teaching what you told us was this one thing that we get to choose you or we choose the world and we choose you we are choosing the one who spoke us into existence the one who wants to give us your best. And God, I pray we would have clarity in our heart and our mind and our prayer sitting in these seats right now. God, I pray each one of us would say, God, I choose you. Maybe I've been a Christian for 40 years, maybe I don't know anything about Jesus, but today I choose you. I choose that you get to own me. You direct me. You guide me. You pour out that change in me. Make me a new creation. Give me hope. God, I pray that's what our heart cry is this day. In the name of Jesus, our King, our Savior, our Lord, we pray all these things. And everybody who's in agreement with me says, Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. For more information and to find out more about our church, please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com.